Put your hands, put your ears where we can see them, but we still can't see them because we're in the studio. But this is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. And if you're loving the show and want to go back and hear something you might have missed, if you missed it today and you want to hear it, or if you just love it so much you want to hear it, again, check out the Weston Walker Podcast. You can check it out on the WFNZ app, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. Check out Wes and Walker. So we were talking about Pete Alonzo during the break. We could have another home run chase this season to add to some of the interesting things we've seen in baseball on pace to hit 60 home runs. Fiddy, what do you think about that? Are you excited for another game to be cut into during football season for them to show if someone's going to break a record. I mean, as a, as a resident Met fan and a <laughs> Pete Alonzo fan, that answer is yes. Since he's entered the league, he is. He's the best home run hitter in baseball with the most home runs since 2019. But I kind of got to thinking because he's on pace to hit over 60 the year after Aaron Judge broke the, broke the AL record with 62 a year ago. And I wonder, like, is is this a good thing for baseball? Like, you had the home run chase of 98, but then that brought on the doping scandals and all that that really rocked the sport and changed the sport forever. I wonder if, you, if we have back-to-back years with guys hitting, you know, over 60 home runs, is that going to cause some, some questions to be asked about maybe doping on the behalf of Aaron Judge or maybe Pete Alonzo? I don't care. I want them as big as possible. I want them smashing a ball out of the park. I like mm. the home runs. I like the chase. I like the headlines. I don't care what they do when they're not at the park. If they want to juice and get ginormous and just hit 800-foot bombs, let's get it. It's your life to consider. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the other thing, too, one, we're still pretty early. We would see this even, you know, I mean, we'd see this so early at times where people were on pace to break the record. And it was really surprising last year that Aaron Judge was able to do it because most of those guys fall off at some point. I think we got to get a little deeper into the season before we really expect Pete Alonso to do this. And that's not any shake on his power. The guy is one of the best power hitters in baseball. And I don't mind you saying he is the best power hitter in baseball. But when you're talking about just how early we are in the season, we've seen the on pace numbers, right? Hashtag on pace when you get past just one month, two months into the regular season. Plus, we've this guy already, it's not like he came in as some weakling into this year. Same thing with Aaron Judge, right? Like, this guy had 53 home runs in 2019. Because he hits seven more, are we going to be starting to question more of his juicing this season than we did as soon as he started to break into the league at 2019? He had 40 last year. This was well within reach for him when he did that in just under 600 at bat. So no, I don't know if that's going to be some overwhelming evidence to say, Hey, we got to start really looking into this guy. He might be doping. The dude hit 53 home runs off the rip at 24 years old. Like this dude has already been crazy powerful. I'm not going to start to look a little bit more into it because he might hit 60. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm here for it all day long. You can cut into the football games, <laughs> all the good stuff, man. Like I said, I like to see a good chase in baseball it needs as many storylines as they can get. But another storyline that broke here with the Carolina Panthers, we love to see the joint practices, the fights and all of that stuff and get to see the good one-on-ones and, all kind of cool stuff from these types of joint practices in the NFL. And the Panthers got a big draw. The New York Jets, Fitty's new team, will be here with Aaron Rodgers in Wofford for joint practices. 
I think the crowds are going to be insane. You asked in here, Walker, ask how big of a crowd do you expect? I expect ginormous crowds. Uh, I expect there to be a ton of buzz. I think this just adds to the buzz from this offseason now that you've got an excellent opponent to come in here to judge yourselves by. Those DBs are going to get tested by Aaron Rodgers and that Jets offense to see what they can do. That front seven is going to have a chance to go up against that Jets offense as well. Bryce Young is going to go up against an OG. And you know that the comparisons and how does he look compared to Aaron Rodgers and things of that nature, you know those are inevitable. But what do you expect from this interaction? I think it just adds already to what is a very hyped offseason. The fact that you have Aaron Rodgers, his first offseason with a different team other than Green Bay, going to a huge market like New York, and the Jets are going to be coming down to Spartanburg. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a lot of hype. I actually did get to see Cam Newton his first year. I went down to Wofford, got to see Carolina, got to see Cam Newton the first trip to Spartanburg, making sure that you can deal with that heat just as much as everybody, which is legendary. So getting to see Cam Newton, it's already people like going down there, you know, big time fans. They'll always make that trip. And now that you have a rookie QB, somebody that everyone is as excited for at, in a quite some time, you know, ever since Cam Newton was the guy here in Carolina, I think that alone is going to be a huge draw. And now just adding Aaron Rodgers to the mix, the first off season with his new team. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know how much more hype you could really build, man. I mean, <laughs> you trade up to go get the first overall selection. You get a guy that is I'm someone that played as well as he did. At a university like Alabama, everybody knows his name, and now he's playing for your favorite NFL franchise. Oh, yeah, and he's going to be going up against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I just don't know how you could get more hype surrounding this offseason than what they've done so far. So what players do you feel like outside of Aaron Rodgers and Bryce Young will have the most hype unless you want to go back into that well? Just leading into this season, it seems like some of the more hyped guys – are going to be on defense more than offense because we're still in kind of a wait and see mode outside of Bryce where we're hyping him up pretty good, maybe offensive line, but you can only gain so much hype playing not so much of a sexy position, right? Defensively. I'm really interested in what everybody's feelings are about Brian Burns because I think some people want to move on from him. Some people think they should have taken that offer that was allowing them to have a couple first round picks, even a second thrown in there. At the trade deadline, we know about the rumors from the Rams. We know that the Philadelphia Eagles were also rumoredly interested. But the Carolina Panthers decided to hold on to him in a fork in the road where Carolina could have tanked it. They could have decided to just trade as many assets as they had in order to get more first-round picks. But they decided to hold on to a young pass rusher. Can we see the elite season? Can we get an all-pro type year that, honestly, his counterpart and Hassan Reddick had with Philadelphia, right? You got so much more help. Everybody in Philadelphia was giving you eight sacks on the year. That's going to help Hassan Reddick get more free. Brian Burns isn't going to have that luxury. But can you have more success getting home more with Ajero Averro as your defensive coordinator with Derek Brown on the opposite side on an odd man front? I think Brian Burns is the guy that you look at and and could potentially have the most hype when trying to assess all these players. Uh, I think when you come into these joint practices, I think the guy that will have the highest hype outside of the quarterbacks would be Sauce Gardner. 
Uh, this is a guy that comes in. He's already established himself as one of the best players in the league. I think that he has a lot of persona when you talk about social media and the jewelry and all of the, well, the cool name is things sauce, that you man. can do with sauce. Exactly. <laughs> so I would go for him. But with the Panthers, you're 100% right. It's going to be Brian Burns. Uh, there's a lot at stake for him this season. Will he get a deal done before the season starts? We shall see. But People have already begun to speculate on what that would look like. Uh, Ari Marioff, Marioff of the 33rd team said that it makes sense for Burns to be one of the highest paid defensive players in the league. They said it should surpass the five-year $110 million deal that Bradley Chubb signed after he was traded to Miami. And they said it wouldn't be a surprise, and this is the key part, if it hovers around Miles Garrett's 25 million annual average. So, Walker Mail, I ask you, is it worth it or not to pay him that much Skrilla? Yeah, I think it's worth it. You got to solidify your top pass rusher, especially with someone that is so young, such as Brian Burns is. This is not somebody that is 28 years old and you're worried about just how athletic he's going to be in the waning years of his contract. If you give him a four-year deal and it's $100 million, 25 mil a pop, this is going to be someone at the end of the contract that is going to be around 28 years old. Now, I wonder how Brian Burns ages in the NFL just because it's so predicated on athleticism. The dude is one of the most athletic defensive ends in all of football, and it's more predicated on speed. There's some power, but mostly he's a speed guy, right? That's what we know him to be. But it doesn't matter here. He's young enough to where I think you can get every single ounce of athleticism that you have, pay him a lot of money, and sometimes there's the sunk cost fallacy. Just because you turn down one trade offer doesn't mean you need to compound that with another mistake. But I believe in Brian Burns and the ability to become one of the top edge rushers. No, I don't think he's going to be Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett, you talk about freaks, right? He's got the power to go along with the speed. Nick Bosa, same thing. Micah Parsons, I think you're talking about the top five in any order you want to go with. I don't think Burns is in that realm. But I do think he's in a realm that is extremely important. And the thing about these contract negotiations, to me, it's always better to get the job done earlier rather than wait, have this thing go into another season, and then potentially get more than just $25 million a year because we know other teams are going to be desperate to lock up a really good pass rusher. This guy is a pro bowler. Right? Maybe he's not all pro. Maybe he's not top three, but he's a pro bowler. You can make worse decisions with your money. Given $25 million to Brian Burns, you can make worse decisions with your money outside of just doing what we're talking about here. Do you think he waits until Nick Bosa does his deal to get a clearer picture on what he should be paid? Because when you look at the top uh, fully guaranteed guys and you go look at Miles Garrett, well, his fully guaranteed was $50 million. The total guarantee was 100 million so when you're looking at guys in that weight class as far as what they're making you're going to be at least looking at 80 to 90 mil and up for him probably 100 i think he's going to probably cross the nine-figure mark but do you think that he would wait on bosa just to see if he can get closer to that upper echelon tier because nick bosa is going to set the market uh, once he gets his deal done, he's going to be the highest paid. There's no question about it. His brother has the highest total guarantee right now of 102. You could probably expect Nick to be in that 110, maybe 120 area. So do you think that he waits for that? The thing is, I always equate this kind of thing to the Pat Mahomes contract, where you could say Mahomes set the market, but 
you're talking about the best quarterback in the NFL. And when he gets a big old contract, which by the way, it's not the richest contract in the NFL. I mean, you could easily think about him being the guy that is the richest paid because we would equate highest paid means you're the best at that position, right? It's not exactly how it works out, but that's just the way we try to make it make sense in our brains. But when you're a Nick Bosa, who is arguably the best pass rusher in the league, right? Some people might have Miles Garrett. Some people might have Micah Parsons going forward. I know you're going to have Nick Bosa as the 49er fan. Those three are the guys that come to mind for me. Brian Burns can't really go to you and say, hey, I deserve Nick Bosa type money or within $2 million of it annually because you could start to point like, look, man, Brian, you're great, but you're not Nick Bosa. It's going to be really hard to get up there. And I don't know how much they, they, they might try to tell you, Miles Garrett is making $25 million. We know how much money is going to be allocated towards edge rushers as the NFL moves on. So give me close to Miles Garrett money. And then at the end of the contract, I might live to see a second big one, maybe. But when Nick Bosa comes in at the same time as you, and there's clearly a better edge rusher there between the two of them, it's going to be hard for him to say, yeah, I deserve as much money as that guy. And then how much wiggle room do you have to get close to that neighborhood? Like Brian Burns, just isn't as good. So I don't know how much he's going to get close to that. What say you? Yeah, I asked that question, too, because the leverage in negotiations. He's the Nick Bosa to the Carolina Panthers, as far as they're concerned. He could come in and say, hey, I want to get close to this. What are the Panthers going to do? You're either going to pay him or you're going to trade him. Well, Nick Bosa's going to get 30 mil, right? Yeah, something like that. But I'm saying as far as not necessarily getting exactly what he got, but he could get close to it because he can say, well, what are you going to do? You're going to trade me because somebody out there will do it. And if the Panthers don't, somebody else will. So I think that that's the only reason why I bring up that question because I think that in negotiations like that with young players playing a premium position, I think he does have a lot of leverage on the Panthers. But when we come back, Sam Amico, senior NBA writer, HoopsWire.com, going to be joining us on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The NBA Finals are all set after the Eastern Conference Finals completed last night with Miami destroying the Boston Celtics in Game 7. Going all the way back up to Boston after having the 0-3 deficit they put them in. And then Boston comes climbing back to force a Game 7 with a crazy Game 6. But it doesn't matter. Miami is moving on. They will face the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. To talk more about it, let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Sam Amico uh, joins us, senior NBA writer of HoopsWire.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Amico Hoops. Sam, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. All ready for the all ready for the finals now that we're finally set. Well, it was a wild Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, we saw Miami as an eight seed put the Boston Celtics in a three zero hole, and then here or no three hole, I should say. We know the Celtics come back before losing last night. Uh, it feels like there are so many storylines. What's the main one from this? Like, what do you look at from this series and okay say okay that's the number one storyline that we saw in this seven game process. <laughs> it's a hard, hard choice. Uh, you know, I, I think just the fact that you have the second number eight seed ever going to the finals is probably the the, the biggest takeaway from this. And, and, and you know, Miami building the three zero lead and then having to win a game seven on the road. Uh, you know, like I said, there's so many things to look at. You, you, you think about how the Celtics 
really got the heat where they wanted them after winning two in Miami and, and you know losing three games in Boston, uh, making home court advantage in the playoffs almost seemed totally irrelevant. And, and even the Lakers in the West lost both their games at home. So uh, I, I just think that, that really, more than anything, we are seeing that the NBA finally has parity. You know, for for the longest time back in the '80s, people were you, you knew it was probably going to be the Celtics and Lakers. Uh, most years were the favorites. In the '90s, it was Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, for a while there, we had the the LeBron James and, and uh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Miami Heat, and then we had the Cavaliers and the Warriors every year. So, but you know, the last few years, really since the NBA bubble in 2020, you just, you just, it's hard to make a pick. There's no real dominant team. And I think that that is good for the NBA and, and good for every organization saying, you know what, we can go into our season feeling like we don't have to tank. We can have a shot if, if uh, everything falls in place. Well, and it's been hard to predict for sure. If there has been anything that's close to as dominant of a team as possible, it's been Denver on the Western side of things. You sweep the L.A. Lakers, you move on, you get to the NBA Finals. A lot of people think the Heat are going to suffer some kind of 4-1, maybe at max 4-2 defeat. But really, Sam, I mean, I'm thinking a lot of people, uh, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of going with Denver as the easy favorite here. What are your NBA Finals expectations? I would agree with that. Denver's definitely, you would consider them the, the easy pick uh, just because they have home court advantage, you know, those first two games at a high altitude, which has really benefited them in these playoffs. It's just the fact that they're, you know, a really good team and stacked with a star in Jokic and, and plenty of really good pieces around them, including Jamal Murray. But, you know, their, their role players have been fantastic. Uh, in the postseason when you're talking about Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Brown and all those guys have, have just been fantastic uh, in the postseason. So, yeah, they would seem like the easy pick. But guess what? The, picking against Miami's probably been the pretty easy thing in every series, even in some of those play-in tournament games. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't count the heat out. They They obviously have their own star and Jimmy Butler and, and their role guys have been playing extremely well and they may get Tyler Hero back and you know probably the coach of the postseason would be Eric Spolstra so uh, yeah sure on paper again Miami looks like a heavy underdog but they've been that way the entire playoffs and it hasn't impacted him this far. Sam Amico joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline you can follow him on Twitter at Amico Hoops Sam Caleb Martin and his performance, everybody's been talking about that. Which role player could end up having a tremendous effect on this series like he did in the Eastern Conference Finals, or is it Caleb Martin? Well, I think he certainly the way he played in the Eastern Conference Finals, you would certainly think he would be the guy when you're talking about the Heat anyway. Uh, you know, he, he's he's going to be the type of player who, who we've seen can, can kind of come out of nowhere and uh, give you a huge lift, and that's really what determines the series a lot of times. You're going to get great performances if you're the Heat. You're going to get a great performance from Jimmy Butler. We all know that. You're going to get a great performance from, from Jokic and Murray, if Nuggets. Uh, 
And uh, it's really the other guy. You know, how do they play? How do they perform? How does Michael Porter Jr., is he continuing to knock down shots for the Nuggets? Is Aaron Gordon continuing to be uh, a very good defender of, you know, wing players as he's proven to be in this postseason? So generally, yeah, it's going to be one of those X-factor guys. And right now, Caleb Martin is the ultimate X-factor going into the final. So, you know, if I had to make a pick, it, it would definitely be him because he's been uh, obviously outstanding uh, through the entire postseason. Say, I'm turning the page to the Charlotte Hornets and a guy that feels untradeable around here, LaMelo Ball. But you're starting to see news items pop up with potential LaMelo Ball trades and, and things of that nature. Do you feel like with his injury history and he's missed a lot of games that this could actually turn into reality, him being in trade talks? And with the news coming out about his brother Lonzo, are league circles starting to feel like this is a thing with the Ball brothers and injuries? Yeah, yeah, you know, it is starting to feel like a little bit of a, 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 of a quote-unquote curse, maybe. Uh, but uh, obviously two different players in two different situations when you're talking about it. Uh, a rolled ankle for for Lamelo and a, a major knee issue for Lonzo. So uh, I'd be careful to group those two guys together, uh, and I'd be very careful. You know, look, there are probably four players, four or five players in the NBA that you say this guy cannot be traded. Lamelo Ball's not in that group yet, so of course there's going to be rumblings about it. Personally, and from everything I've heard, I don't think the Hornets would be moving in that direction. I think it's more of, you know, this is this is a guy that we continue to build around. The Hornets play much better when he's on the floor, uh, and he's, he's you know he has the potential to be a dynamic player in the NBA for a very long time. Are you going to get equal value back if you move him? And ideally, if you move a player like Lamelo Ball, you you know you're asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars. So, I, I just don't think that trade is out there. I don't think that they're looking to to you know shop Lamelo Ball around the league. I think it's he's one of those guys that you say, okay, here's a guy that we have that that we can build around and, and continue to grow this organization with. Uh, he, he, you know, he had one year where really this past season where it was really a little bit of an injury concern. So I, I just think it'd be a mistake to give up on him already and say, yeah, he's injury prone or whatever, because uh, when he's on the court, obviously a dynamic player and uh, can help change the course of your franchise. And those are the kind of guys you're looking for. Sam Amico joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Let's continue with the Hornets conversation, Sam. You released an article on HoopsWire.com a few days back, May 25th. You had Scoot to the Hornets question mark, and then you said the Hornets may be leaning towards Scoot Henderson at number two in the draft. Why do you feel that way? Why do you feel Scoot could be the guy here at number two overall for Charlotte? I just think that, you know, a lot of the – I've talked to five people, five general managers who would – Four of them were willing to concede that, yeah, Scoot Henderson was number two on their own draft board. Uh, Mitch Kupchak, I can tell you, was not among them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that you look at it that way and say, this is the guy who's the number two player. And, and if he is, if he's the second best player, the second best prospect, that's the guy you go with. You know, Lottery teams don't really have the luxury. I know fans and media like to say, uh, you know, well, what's our need? What's our biggest glaring need? Uh, well, if you're 
you know, in the lottery, if you're if you're drafting in the top five, generally you need something everywhere. You could use improvement everywhere. So that in that case, you go with the best available player. If they feel, as a lot of these other general managers do, that Scoot Henderson's number two, you could bet they will take him and figure the rest out later. Yes, we have Lamelo Ball. Yes, we have Terry Rozier if we're the Hornets. But you know, are are, are those two guys the long term answer? Uh, can we go with three-guard lineup? Let's get our best player, our best prospect, who we think that is, regardless of position, into training camp and let the chips fall where they may. So uh, I, I, that's just based on all that. You also think about Brandon Miller, who's an outstanding player uh, from Alabama, small forward position. Everybody views him as a can't-miss guy in the NBA. Uh, you know, he had he had some of those issues in Alabama, the, the, the gun stuff that he was never, you know, uh, really charged or any of that. So, you know, that concern has kind of been out there that there's been concerns about, you know, how good a shape is he in? Uh, I, I just think with some of the question marks, despite his talent, despite the fact he seems like a really good kid, uh, there's just, you know, Henderson's, Henderson has, none of the quote-unquote baggage and has been a, a, a fantastic player, fantastic prospect. Just makes me think, yeah, that's the guy the Hornets will take. Now, that said, we have no we have no real idea until they actually call out someone's name. Sam, so before we get you out of here, it's been a topic today. We've been talking about NBA journeymen because we got on the topic because of Ish Smith is right here from Concord, played on 14 NBA teams. So who are some of your favorite NBA journeymen over the years? Definitely Ish Smith is one of them because I just, when, when he was with Washington, he didn't get much of an opportunity uh, in Denver a lot, but when he was with the Wizards just a year and a half ago, I just thought, man, this guy, he, he really causes problems for the opponent. So, uh, and he's been doing that for a long time in the league. He's, he's kind of a survivor. Uh, you know, uh, other guys that I've, I've really liked, and it, it, it's hard to tell, hard to call all of these guys journeymen. I wouldn't call Malcolm Brogdon a journeyman, even though he's been with three teams, but I think that he is one of those guys for the Celtics uh, has just been, uh, a, a fantastic player wherever he goes, very underrated uh, winner type of player. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would say, obviously, much more of an impact player than Ish Smith has made, but uh, just a guy who I've always thought, you know, doesn't get nearly the credit, uh, perfect teammate, and, and just goes out, does his job, uh, you know, off the top of my head, that's that's really probably the two that I would say. And it, it's funny that you mentioned this because uh, I, I've I've always been long been a fan of his game just because he, he comes in seems to seems to be a third string point guard wherever he goes, mm-hmm. but plays like a first stringer whenever he's in there. You know. Well, Sam, that's a good answer because Wes went to Wake Forest, so it's exactly the answer he was looking for here. He wanted to hear Ish Smith's name come out of your mouth, and so you passed the test. Nice job. That's Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com, senior NBA writer. You can find him on Twitter, at Amico Hoops, for plenty more updates, not only as the postseason is going on, but as we approach the NBA draft. Sam, we appreciate it once again, man. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, sure be talking to you down the line.
There's a lot of storylines, not only surrounding the NBA Finals, but also the Charlotte Hornets with that number two overall pick. Let's touch on that just a little bit before we move on to the final segment, because you did see that tweet. Just asked him about the article that he had on May 25th, but then he did say May 26th, the day after, spoke with five rival execs and scouts. Four told me they have Scoot Henderson at number two on their draft boards, and that's who they think the Hornets will take. But we've seen a lot of mock drafts go the Brandon Miller route. We've seen Sam Vecini on his mock draft. We played some of that audio on Lockdown Hornets. He had him taking Scoot Henderson. But we've seen a lot of mock drafts here, West. We've seen Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN. I think speaking with Woj, if I'm not mistaken, I might have that wrong. But there was one episode released recently that had them talking about Brandon Miller like he's going to be the guy. And they're always careful to say, now we don't know until we get there. The Hornets, they don't leak a whole lot of stuff. They've been kind of notorious or famous for it, whatever word you want to put on it. They don't leak a whole lot going up to the NBA draft. But a lot of people are fitting Brandon Miller here in Charlotte because you already have LaMelo in the backcourt. Here we are inside a month. What do you make of Sam Amico's tweet about talking with four out of the five guys in the NBA, some of the execs, they think Charlotte's going to take Scoot, but some of the Brandon Miller talks out there as well. How do you make sense of all of that? I mean, you just try to make as much sense as you can because you don't know at this point. It's going to be a lot like the NFL draft. We were speculating, and then we didn't start to really get a clear picture until we got closer and closer. I think it's going to be the same as well. Uh, the NBA draft is a lot closer, of course, but Scoot, man, if I had to put my money on somebody, I would say it probably would be him. At this point, but uh, you just don't know. This is really and truly a toss up. So we had a poll on Lockdown Hornets, a very official poll on our YouTube page. We did get 900 votes. It's a large sample size. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller or trading the number two pick were the options. Scoot Henderson got 76% of oh, the vote. I know you were thrilled by that. I mean, did you send them a thank you message? I, all of them. Yep. I got everyone's address and you can expect a handwritten thank you note coming I to bet. your house I bet. after we got those results. 17% with Brandon Miller, 7% went trading the pick. I'm just asking you in the legitimate when I like, obviously I like Scoot, sure. but I do want to know what your answer is here. Just the feeling you get, you're kind of leaning more towards that the Hornets will choose Scoot. But I think my timeline, as far as from a Hornets fan base perspective, it looks like most of them want Scoot. I was surprised that 76% came in. I would have expected like 60. I didn't expect to be three fourths of the people were voting for one Scoot Henderson. What's the kind of pulse that you have on the Hornets fan base on where they want, who they want to select at number two? Because I, I thought it was Scoot, but I didn't know it was that much. I feel like a lot of fans will want Scoot. I think that they've been spoiled by the brand of basketball that LaMelo Ball plays. When you talk about the flash, they enjoy seeing that. That's what they want to come and see. He's got a fun name. You watch his highlights. They're incredible the in a lot of ways. So I think that a lot of fans are going to want that. This fan base, as you said, have been deprived of exciting basketball and playing for something. And they had that a couple of years ago when this team was as constructed and healthy. with Mello and Miles and everybody doing their thing. You had the burger campaigns. You had all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So I think they want another player of that caliber in with LaMelo to see how many highlights they can make each night. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit more about that as the week goes on. Rafael Barlow of the Locked On Podcast Network. He actually joined Mac and Bone. You can find that on the website, WFNZ.com. We'll cut some of that audio up and start to talk a little bit more about his opinions. He likes Brandon Miller here to Charlotte. So no, not just going to be a scoop-focused show. We want to give some love to the Brandon (laughs) Miller side of things, and we can do that tomorrow as well and comb through that audio. Let's get to the last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. Going to keep the NBA talk rolling here over the weekend. Two NBA, two NBA teams made hires as the 76ers fired uh, Raptors former head coach Nick Nurse. And the Bucks hired Raptors assistant head coach Adrian Griffin. What did you guys make of two vacancies getting filled in the association over the holiday break? Nick Nurse is fascinating because Nick Nurse is the guy that will play his starters forever. And Joel Embiid has been someone that has been injury prone, that looks tired in the postseason. A lot of his game is predicated on going to the foul line. And he, just for a reputation standpoint, desperately needs to make the conference finals something that philadelphia something that joel Embiid has not done now nurse has won a championship but you had Kawhi leonard come over for one year that team was put in place to have a star come in and then reach the destination of winning a championship can he do that with the philadelphia team that currently has james harden I don't know if he's going to stay there, though, because there's all these rumors, too, that he's going to go back to Houston. And Adrian Griffin, fascinating. Glad he got a job because Adrian had been somebody that was an assistant with Nick Nurse on the sideline for some time. Excited to see what he can do with Milwaukee as Giannis looks to add another championship to his resume. Yeah, Nick Nurse, I didn't really feel any type of way, but he's going to get a second opportunity because he did win that championship. So I'm cool with that. Adrian Griffin, always good to see uh, a brother get a chance. So and it's some new blood into the NBA, a new head coach. So. I'm excited to see what he'll do. The early returns coming out of Philadelphia, they're the only franchise to fire a doc for a nurse. That was pretty good. I got to give it up. I really like that. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'm ashamed good. to tell you how much I like it, but I do. Very good. Thank you very much, Fitty. He'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> we got one more segment to go on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Recuperating show over the holiday weekend. Fitty spent all day at the track yesterday, taking in 900 miles. How are you feeling? Are you just ready to take a nap? I have to imagine you are. There aren't many days that I want a nap. Mm-hmm. Today is a day that I want a nap, but there's work to be done when I go home. So oh, there will else? be. There Do you have more for podcast stuff? Yeah, I got. I got a. I got a pretty big podcast. I got to record tonight. So. <laughs> Your voice. You're not going to give it any rest. Are you going to sound? Gotta drink s- some tea, man. Gotta get tea with some lemon. Something. Mm. Cough drops. You need something. Yeah, I think I'll just uh, nurse it with some, maybe just some more alcohol. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> I think you're going to wake up and you're going to be way more dehydrated. <laughs> We've all been though there, man. Uh, been there though, man. And see, I've even recuperated. I've had a lot of those misspeakings today. Like. Just, I can't get my words in the right order. Both of you guys got a little saucy this weekend. The problem is, I didn't really get all that saucy. You got that brown liquor this weekend, Walker? I did not. (laughs) 
It, mm. Well, I guess beer is brown. I had a little bit of brown. Yeah, I'm good on that. It wasn't liquor. It was just straight up beer. I was just drinking. <laughs> I didn't drink yesterday at all. I was just chilling. So I don't know. I think mine is just more of the brain trying to get over a normal weekend. Mm. It wasn't crazy. You are still, are you still getting over a Monday? Like, did it have a Monday feel for you today? No. Tuesday, you feel like you're on track? Yeah, because I'm excited it's a short week. See, that's always the most overlooked part of a long weekend. Yeah. It's not only the fact that you get three days off, it's that you only have to come to work four days after that. Yep. And then you get the weekend immediately after, and that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> this might be a great way to end the show. Mm-hmm. Wolfpack James, and he's coming after you guys because I'm just a DJ. Uh huh. He says for a couple of guys who call Eminem overrated. Oh no. We sure do play a lot of Eminem. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. Whoever said Go I ahead. called him overrated? He's in my top ten all time. Yeah, Wes is not one of those people. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if that he's overrated. I just don't like his stuff post. You don't treat him with the reverence that you should. What am I supposed to do with 2010? White guy, greatest white rapper ever. I don't want to be that Uber talented, though. That's the thing about him. Regardless of race, he is one of the greatest of all time, and you need to embrace that more. How come I can't get any respect for saying that the dude was amazing pre-2010? It's just that the catalog after 2010 is not what you put it up to be, in my opinion. Well, well that I put it up to be. I didn't say they were great albums. They're not They're not Rush. Marshall Mathers LP, but they Rush. were dope albums. No, I said they were dope. Kamikaze was dope. Music to be murdered by was dope. Well, Those okay, were both so, dope projects. Well, you just said I'd never said they were great, but they're dope. Like, we could do. No, I'm, I'm just saying, saying I'm not saying they're classics like Marshall Mathers LP and Eminem's show and the first album uh, as well. I'm not saying that they're those. But they were still really good albums, especially considering his age. He's still making dope stuff. Yeah, I, you like them more than I do. I don't know if I would say those those albums are not anything I'm going back to like I was for his But I feel stuff. like you diss a lot of white rappers. Um, Your music knowledge you don't like Wolf, is basically You don't like Logic. You don't like, um, you diss them all. And I don't know that I consider Logic's biracial, but you still, you diss him. You diss but Yellow Wolf. You diss, you diss everybody. I meant to tell you, did you know Pop the Trunk was actually a story record? No, because the way you know. talk about it, you talk about it as if like he's trying to make a threat on it. But I'm like, if you listen to the record, he's what? actually telling a story. It's amazing that all of this wrong stuff is coming from you right now. I never said anything about Pop the Trunk other than the hook is hilarious to me. No, but you said it was the way you the interpretation I got from you is that you said it was. Trash. Okay, so whose fault is that? You interpreted because no, you, like, you, you was I'm like, saying. this is what you said. This is how you said it. You said. Man, when I heard, don't make me pop the trunk. I thought it was a hilarious hook. Don't make me go pop the trunk. <clears throat> On like, that's you. That's funny. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, well, that's funny to me. I just thought it was a funny hook. Well, the way it came across, it came across that you thought it was trash. Eminem is not overrated. Never, like, I think we talked about, maybe I talked about it with Vashti one time. Uh-huh. But then you want to throw this, like, I don't like white rappers thing, man. Eminem is good. Post-2010 is not as good as pre-2010. And I think you put it up in a way that is like you have, you're you're giving him homage for what he did in his younger days. And you're applying it to albums that aren't really like No, that's not true. Uh, I still think the last couple albums were dope. It is true. And then logic, you're like, well, he's biracial. But you I'll tell you a- stuff and you'd be like, eh, like you kinda like you're kinda dismissive of them. Every time I bring them to your attention, you're you're rather dismissive of them. 
Big T from North Carolina <laughs> said, what's your take on Jelly Roll? I can't tell you. I, I don't know who Jelly Roll I is. I know who he is. I've never really listened to his records like that. But I do know who that is. Do you know who Jelly Roll y'all is? Y'all don't know. Dude, I know someone that y'all Wait, don't Wait, is that the know. dude? No, that's Big Why Boy that was on. Um, no, that's Big Boy that was on Bar Rescue, right? That's from Tennessee. Yeah, I've heard some of his stuff before. Okay, tell us. What do you think? He's straight. Mm-hmm. Sounds like hating to me. <laughs> he's yeah, straight. He's That's straight. exactly what I've said about people, but I'm a hater. And then you no, want to say, no, he's straight. No. What? The, you're not giving me anything. Like, I'm telling you, Eminem is good. I just don't like his later stuff. How... What am I saying that's wrong here? Because when, when I was riding, listening to some of the latest stuff, and I'm like, man, Walker just... Yeah, Eminem. Said, he's, he's yelling. Hibbity, I didn't hear a word you say. Hibbity hula. That's what he is. He's yeah, the he's, guy he's making he's fun angry, of. But he's always been angry. Oh, people forget. Back in my day. He is he is Lotto when he's making fun of him on 8 Mile. I can't understand no. anything because he's yelling. The lyrical ability is still A+. Plus, yeah, even he's, when he's angry. And that, he's always been angry and yelling. Okay, the lyrical ability is fantastic. But we know that that is not the only thing to judge a rapper on. Right. We know that. You cannot be a lyrical genius and still put out some fire records. You're the guy that thinks that type of music where you're talking about gangster rap, which isn't exactly all of them are not the most lyrically genius like Eminem, mm -hmm. but that's your favorite genre. Yeah. I speak facts is what I do here in the Planet Kia studios. All right, let's go to what happened on this day <laughs> in sports history. So Fiddy, go ahead and end it, man. Also, Walker, there were texts that came to your defense. There I guess are. There were, are I'm sure. There are I, plenty of people saying that Eminem is overrated. I just love starting the fire and just watching y'all two burn. Well, because <laughs> Wes does it, it. He gets under my skin. He's very successful with the whole music pigeonhole. You don't like white rappers. And then you think this. You don't give guys their credit. And it's just wrong. I know how to push and Walker's it, button. It, it, it does. He, the music buttons, he knows how to push them. <laughs> All right, guys. On this day in 1982, we should get Drew in here for this. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. of the Baltimore Orioles began his major league record consecutive games played streak. By starting at third base, he would start there for the first 27 games of the streak. Uh, he, uh, he was appearing eighth in the batting order against the Toronto Blue Jays. By the way, he came walking by during Charlotte Sports Today. Drew and, did. Yeah, and Flown called him Mr. Fundamental. Okay. Is is that a good enough nickname for? And then, then Colin called him Mister Take, or it was something like that because Colin hears some of the nonsense that Drew kind of spews. I think we got to have an adequate nickname for Drew. Yeah, I don't know. It's, we got to have something with his height, you know, something that plays along with that, with him being close to seven foot. I don't know. The Tower of Takes. Ooh. That, just, that just hit me. Ooh, that was nice. Do we like the take tower or tower of takes? Very nice. All right. That's a, I like the By the way, first one. I like 980 number saying Action Bronson is a good white rapper, even if he bites Ghostface oh, style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you, you can't put that on me. I've told you I like Action Bronson a lot. I like Action Bronson a lot. So that's what we'll end with today, trying to save the music reputation that I try <laughs> to build on this show. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. Smoke Lugwood going to be alongside him. It's coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.